0: The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised.
1: The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeardelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the Internet's only Sergio. Castillo podcast.
0: You've gotten so good at the Sergio. I am so impressed, Joel.
1: It's because I was in French Immersion for so long. I think I'm good at rolling my Rs when a
0: lot of people aren't. It's true, but like I feel like it's a thing I started. You've just taken it and taken it to another level. Like, like you are like professional.
1: <laughs> Maybe I don't know.
0: Well, well, I'm still amateur at it, but but still, he's 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 my boy, and you're right. This is the. Internet's only Sergio Appreciation Podcast. Yes, Joel Gass and John Fraser. As usual, uh, we
1: are going to talk about the big Rider win over the Argos, kind of as uh, I think both of us probably expected on this podcast, as after they lost back-to-back games to the Bombers, we basically quoted uh, Aaron Rodgers, and everyone just needed to relax. Mm. It'll be okay. <laughs> right? Uh, big game coming up against the Lions, though which could determine a lot in terms of this season already. I know where it feels like the season just started, but we're already at the halfway point about to cross it. So a pretty big game coming up this week against the lions. And we're going to do a question that's kind of been bubbling for a little while. I think behind the scenes and more fans are starting to ask a little bit. And I know definitely uh, John and I have talked about, about a little bit off and on over the years, even, and it's starting to bubble up in some media circles. Mm Hmm. Are CFL games
0: boring? Yeah. That's what we call a tease in this business. hmm But. Because, yes.
1: Now that uh, some pesky other campaign is out of the way. mm mm-hmm. uh, We are now here to officially launch a brand new campaign. Mm-hmm. For this here internet. This uh, here CFL American, North American football internet. Yes. If you've been watching the sport of gridiron football, either in Canada, uh, the United States, at professional levels, because what we're doing does not apply to college levels, because it's no longer applicable. Um, uh, hashtag college kickers. Yes, hashtag college kickers, because, I mean, you can't just sign anyone off the street in college football. You would notice in the world of professional football that perhaps the kicking isn't as strong as it normally is. and I don't think anyone is as attuned to that right now as one Mr. John Fraser. Because, I mean, yes. with the Minnesota Vikings, he's used to it. They're cursed to just have... you could oh. they They brought in, like, I believe... One of the kickers are they Was it Dan Bailey who was allegedly one it of the It was most... Dan
0: Bailey who was like one of the most accurate kickers in the NFL of all time, and yeah. he has just completely imploded. Like every kicker that puts on a purple jersey implodes. Like at this point, mm. I have more. So my kids are both on in Tikes on Spikes, which, by the way, if you have kids in in the Saskatoon area, you want a great program to introduce you introduce them to football Tykes on Spikes is the bomb they're wearing purple jerseys they're excited it's daddy's favorite NFL team and I think the kids in Tykes could kick better than most Vikings kickers especially yes. with a game on the line
1: but once area where John is not used to this at least over the last number of years perhaps before it though was with his Winnipeg Blue Bombers and that is of no. course with the absence of one Mr. Automatic Justin Medlock uh, the bomber at least from a field goal perspective game has got uh, a little interesting shall we say
0: <laughs> if by interesting you mean it's real shitty and it's starting to make my eye twitch, because as my text to you said, how can a team be this good with kicking this bad? I just I don't get it. Like I just I, I I I struggle, and and like my love of kickers is well known. My love of the kicking game, like Rodrigo Blake and ship down in Indianapolis, and of course our boy Sergio. I just, it's a well-known fact, if you know me, that I like obscure kickers. Now, I don't get how, okay, there's 32 teams in the NFL, there's nine teams in the CFL, how you can't find, like, 41 humans who are good at kicking a football in the globe, because that was a global thing across everybody, and yet here we are with the Bombers kicking 50%, and the Vikings just continuing to be cursed until from now until the end of time. And you know, I mean, had they not
1: won the Grey Cup in 2019, Blue Bomber history would suggest that they would eventually miss a kick that would cost them a playoff game or something.
0: Well, yes, we'll even remember the 2001 Grey Cup, which I know a lot of people shit on him, but that Troy Westwood was a very good kicker for very many years. And that was just like the game that he just decided to not have a good game out of nowhere. So,
1: Well, I mean, there was be... the infamous game with Paul McCallum here in Saskatchewan as well, right? So
0: that was like a one off like yeah. that was a west final not a gray cup and yeah okay they put shit on his on his on his lawn which actually his neighbor's lawn <laughs> that's that's true he, <laughs> you were so close you just missed so i think the thing that's most impressive to me is you and i throughout the history of this podcast and even back to my former podcast that shall not be named i've been talking about sergio having a kicking job and how much i love sergio castillo how is Sergio Castillo unsigned at this point? And I do love the fact, though, that, like, you and I start bringing this up. Mm-hmm. And, like, people that I don't – like, I expect, like, a guy like Fozzie Van Dam to bring it up. The guys in my fantasy football league to bring it up. You know, old listeners to bring it up. And then out of nowhere, we have other people tweeting the Blue Bombers like, hey, you should sign Sergio. I feel like we're on to something. Just like Jack Layton had his orange wave, his orange crush a few elections ago. I feel like we are going to will Sergio into a job. And if that job was with the Blue Bombers, that day I'm ordering a Sergio Castillo bomber jersey because, holy shit, they need him. They need Sergio now more than when Sergio replaced Alexis Serna.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, I mean, the struggles are clearly there. And you had the numbers a bit ago.
0: He kicked in the NFL not too long ago, and his numbers are pretty good. They are. He has a weird glitch between 40 and 49, where he was 2 for 5 in the NFL for the New York Jets. But between 30 and 39, 3 out of 4, from 50-plus in the National Football League, Sergio was 2 of 2. Where you don't get the nice little tee to kick off
1: of like you do in the CFL.
0: That's exactly it! I'm, try- I'm trying to look up his CFL stats. I probably should have had that bet as well. <laughs> I mean, that would,
1: that would be, weird. That'd be asking way too much of us to be that
0: prepared. I know, right? I was prepared with his... Like, I, you know, I can see that he worked out for the Tennessee. Oh, he worked out for the Tennessee Titans like two months ago, mm-hmm. but he wasn't there. I know. I, 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 I'm surprised. I don't like I feel like I need in my home office setup, I have this nice little like thing. that's like a map of the world ahead of my my desk. You've seen it. I feel like I just need like a Sergio wall with all these mm-hmm. like press clippings of what Sergio has I'm done. I'm surprised so. you don't just have Google Alerts set up for Sergio Castillo. <laughs> Um, my inbox is completely filled with spam, but <laughs> but again, okay. This wouldn't be spam, though. On... Can we talk about the fact that Sergio in the CFL, an 87% accuracy? His actual worst year was when he was with my Blue Bombers. He was 29 out of 34 with Hamilton, 41 out of 45 with the BC Lions for 87%, and the guy has a booming leg to punt. How has nobody backed up? I don't know how much you'd, like... You, know, you don't really need to back up, up that much, but no. a kicker. No. But how has nobody been like, Sergio, we gotta get you across the border. We, got, we gotta we got bring you here. He's only 30! Like, <sighs> somebody's gotta bring Sergio in, and I feel like we need we need campaign signs, we need people, we need boots on the ground in every CFL city, except, like, Edmonton, because Sean Waite's really good. And Calgary. Not just a hard player. I do remember beating him. Decent human being. But like everybody else, there's been so many kicking problems. How is Sergio attending high school football games as a fan?
1: It's one of life's great mysteries.
0: <laughs> it really is. And it seems like, again, you and I have never spoken to Sergio, but we've never had, like, I, I want him to be back in the CFL so we can, like, fulfill our ultimate dream of emailing Ariel Zur with the Riders Communications and going, Ariel, we want one interview. We want our first interview ever with a player on this podcast. We need 15 minutes with Sergio Castillo.
1: Yeah. Or whoever he signs with. Any team. We could talk to them, yeah. I mean, we oh. could probably just slide into the guy's DMs right now and just try. I mean, nothing's stopping, I guess. Can I slide
0: into his DMs? I don't know. Does he have his DMs locked? Okay. There's only one like way to find I... out. <laughs> all right let's see he does have his dms locked i can't do the dm slide
1: yeah it was worth a try
0: well i i, I thought about it. but look look like there's lots of famous people that like follow him maybe like he follows one of them back maybe we can call in a favor or something
1: yeah maybe maybe we can get dunk on the case see if he has a he has a contact with one sergio castillo
0: that would be amazing, and I would just... I, I, again, I'd be so excited to talk to Sergio. He's one of two players we'd ever have on this podcast. The other being, you know, Mr. <laughs> McNuggets himself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And speaking of the McNuggets, much better on the transition this time, Jewel.
1: Especially um, I mean, when you do your own transition. I hope you'd nail it.
0: I so rarely do the transitions that I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was sweating a little. Um, I wanted to make sure I lived up to the standard that you've set on this podcast. So... um <laughs> And I'm going to go completely off the board here. I'm sorry, Manscaped people. I'm sorry, people from Fansided. But hey, if you want to make sure that your McNuggets are the good for the next time that they are maybe dipped in some special sauce, maybe some spicy buffalo sauce, our friends at Manscaped have you cleared to keep your McNuggets from getting in pain. <laughs> With the fourth generation brand new Lawnmower 4.0, keep your McNuggets looking McNuggety? You can kick your pubes to the next planet. Uh, okay, now I'm reading the ad. To the performance package 4.0, the McNuggets in your pants will feel like you definitely didn't get hit in the end zone. When you use the best tools for the job, the leaders in male grooming, join the two million men worldwide, including me and maybe Cody Fajardo, who trust Manscaped to get your McNuggets ready for their big dip. Go to manscaped.com, 20% off, plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. It's 20% off, plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com for a clean McNugget. <laughs> <laughs> FANSIDED20, manscaped.com. Yeah,
1: That's, so...
0: better than this. That's better than <clears throat> asking you to play space music, in my humble opinion.
1: It was pretty good, and uh, I think you basically came up with that on the spot, unless you've been thinking about it all week.
0: Uh, no, I... Uh actually drank a bunch of whiskey as uh tonight's the anniversary of something I don't like to think of. Um I drank a bunch of whiskey and now on my first beer of the of uh, the podcast. So, yeah, no, there's no planning and even if I did plan it, it is long in the back of my mind.
1: Mm-hmm. So, if you missed the story, uh, in the middle of the game against the Argos, uh Cody Fajardo got hit in the balls and when he got in the end zone and after the game, he talked about how he got hit in the McNuggets and that's just, you always want to protect
0: the McNuggets. So that's, that's where that comes from. I love, I love, I, I just, uh, between him and, and like, I never thought in my life as a lifelong Blue Bomber fan, I would love a writer's quarterback as much as I love Cody Fajardo. It's fair. Like he's, he's, he's like Sergio's number one. But he's getting close to number two. Like like he like he's closing the gap. Like he's definitely number two for me. Yeah. But he's closing the gap to Sergio.
1: Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's entirely fair. Just wait till Cole McDonald gets on the field. Then, oh oh then, then, then I it's can't on. I
0: can't wait for the gushing out of the vagina and <laughs> <of> the microphone. <laughs> So yeah,
1: we're going to talk about uh, the Riders win over the Argos, uh, the upcoming game against the BC Lions, and talk in general about sort of the state of the league and the quality of the games to this point. But as usual, uh, before we get into all that for the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, John what's in the glass this week?
0: in the glass this week I wanted to keep it simple I wanted to keep it low alcohol as uh, again I knew I'd be having a couple whiskeys tonight Uh, I just went with the rebellion lentil a nice smooth drinking uh, tall boy I find it uh, the thing I like about the lentil is it doesn't seem to give me the burps which then lead to the sneezes quite as much as anything else does so uh, a couple rebellion lentils nice smooth again a good uh, entry level beer if you have a friend that wants to support local but might not like craft beer Lentil's a good pick, as well as the beer. Or as both my kids that know from Rebellion, they see the cans and know that what the beer that tastes like beer is. That's I I now literally ask them to grab me a beer that tastes like beer from the fridge. So um also want to shout shout out uh Mark and the crew at Rebellion. Uh if you are a healthcare worker that happens to listen to this podcast, uh they are giving away free tacos in the tap room like that's yep. just like free like, tacos me, this
1: week if you show your uh your uh, employee ID or guess or whatever yeah it's
0: such a class move because let's face it like if through this pandemic people have gone from banging pots and pans and saluting our healthcare workers that are doing everything to keep the shit show together to just like protesting outside the hospital and for mark to step up and the crew from rebellion to say hey listen we still got your back come in we got some tacos for you it's a small gesture, but it's awesome. I, I, I cannot say enough good things about, like, I know Pile of Bones is our official sponsor, but I feel huh. like Rebellion, in a way, is, is kind of like our unofficial sponsor. I mean, all of them really are. It's true. And, and, and you know what? And kudos again to to the guys at the Pile of Bones Brewing Company for sponsoring this podcast and giving us carte blanche to talk about other good beers and, and never once saying, no, you have to talk about our stuff. So, again, kudos to them.
1: Mm-hmm. uh for me as if you listened to last week's podcast uh, i kind of hinted at it and i followed through because i picked it up today uh the new nine mile long view pilsner
0: Ooh, yes you were teasing that mm-hmm. as I said, how articles, is it it is simply outstanding as as all things from nine mile tend to be
1: yes this light crisp easy drinking uh So as they described, Longview Pilsner, a classic Czech-style pilsner sprung from our long-standing relationship with uh, Syngenta Canada, and based a pilsner malt on a version of their barley. Uh, When life throws us curveballs in Saskatchewan, we take a long view. Aha, I love it. Yeah, it's uh, another in a series of just banging pilsners that uh, brewers in this province have been putting out recently. Uh, Available in six packs uh, wherever you pick up fine local craft beer. And of course, uh, if you are in Saskatoon, that includes uh, directly at their brewery, which will always help the brewers the most because that gives them the best margin.
0: And and great setup. You and I have been there a couple yeah. of times now, and uh, being able to just roll through the samples and the flights and and the cool thing I like about going down there, they always have stuff that's not being mass produced and mass canned. And mm-hmm. I, I I don't think I don't think I've tasted anything from from Nine Mile while sitting there in that tap room with you that I've been like, Ew, "I don't like this." No banging no
1: banging Uh, ah there's some banging going on last week Uh, because that's what happens during football games especially into uh, McNuggets (laughs)
0: Uh, I don't you could take that a few different ways I mean McNuggets are usually involved in banging so Mm. I guess that's a perfect transition
1: yeah Uh, the Riders 30 16 win over the Argos feels like it's been forever since that game, considering how much has happened between now and then. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so the Riders back on the winning track after a couple of losses uh, to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, of course, where we talked about on this very podcast. Um, But yeah, the Riders just lost to very good teams. And they showed up and they played their style of game against the Argos and they were effective in it and they won. Uh, There's definitely still some concerns coming to that game things that they can work on, but I think overall you're starting to see sort of, unless they're playing the best team in the league by far, who they don't seem to have an answer for, you're kind of starting to see the pieces come together a little bit when you look at, um, you know, William Powell has his first 100-yard game. Cody Fajardo looked all right, but not amazing. Uh, Spread the ball around a bit again. Uh, Keon Schaefer-Baker with his biggest game yet, he just keeps getting better and better every game. And quite frankly, I mean, I did the math, it was over 170 yards of their total offense came from Canadians. And, I, I did
0: like that math, yes.
1: Yes, I actually did math after a game for once, which is very rare for me. And because I was Did like, you have
0: to get Vans Stone to help you out with it?
1: No, I actually had the live stats open and just added up all the numbers, <laughs> which was mostly the 99 yards from Key and Schaefer-Baker and then a few other small yards. And I did include Jake Hardy's two-yard reception in there because technically it was two yards of offense from a Canadian.
0: What, um, what, about, what about Alexander Dupuis? I,
1: yes, I believe I added him as well because, I mean... You plays. love
0: French fullbacks.
1: I love French fullbacks. I just love any plays to fullbacks. Like, I got excited late in the game when I saw them line up in the power eye, if we're going to be completely honest. <laughs> it's so old school, and it's just, it's just like, Yes! <laughs> Here comes a whopping! Yes,
0: let's do this. <laughs> here comes some old-timey football.
1: I don't even know if they ran out of play. I don't remember if they ran out of that. I remember a couple, a few games ago, they ran once out of the power eye, and then they play-actioned out of it and do a pass for a touchdown later in the game. So that made me. That's always that's always exciting.
0: Yeah, yeah. You see the power eye, and you think of like that old-timey football mm-hmm. announcer, like gripping the microphone, kind of like the one I use for for recording the podcast, and just and it's off to the right. It's a real whopping along there. Real battle in the trenches here, and it looks like number twenty. Seven, the fullback nathaniel jones has got another first down
1: so yeah but i i think there was really a turning point in that game and there was a moment where you kind of had got the feeling that the riders were probably going to win that game because there was all the signs pointing to a moment where the argos were going to probably should have scored right it was late in the first half um the riders had them pinned deep in their own territory, you know, shadow of their own goalposts kind of thing. And right. it was second along, they let them off the hook. They get the first down. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. How many times have you seen a team on the ropes like that, deep in their own end, get out of it on a second along, second along situation and go all the way down and score?
0: Oh, it, it, seems, it's, it, it, it seems to be right up there with death and taxes as a near certainty.
1: Yeah, so then they got them in second along again, and you thought, okay, they, they better get the stop this time or they're really hooped. And instead, they got the stop but then committed the penalty that gave them the first down. Yes. That's when you really knew they were in trouble. You're like, oh boy. Yep. And the Argos kept going and going and going. They got all the way to the goal line. And then the Argos, Stephen McAdoo'd it. <laughs> they got they overthought it. They got weird. Not in a good way. And the Riders stopped them. <laughs> I think the first play was from the 5, so they gained a few yards. And they got to the 1. They got two cracks at the 1. Did not score. Which is basically... Very hard to do in the CFL. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And you that, just... at that moment, you're like,
1: okay. They somehow survived this moment where you pretty much always see football teams score when given these opportunities. At that moment, you're like, okay, they're probably going to win this game now.
0: Right. Yeah, If you can, if you, if you can stop a team right from the one-yard line, you know that's going to fire up the D, that's going to fire up the stadium, it's going to fire everybody up. And it's like you said, Joel, that was the TSN turning point, right? I mean... I I just – it always blows me away how sometimes teams just, like, galaxy brain it at the one-yard line. Like, I'm with you, like – and I'm a big fan of, like, run and shoot, throw it up there football. But if you're at the one, go to the old power eye. Just, like, play some old-school football. Let's see a cloud of dust at one yard. And it's kind of a concerning sign of the CFL if you can't get one yard that your offense is obviously doing something very wrong. So – it was a great turning point. Um, like you said, largely a a very good game, I think, by the Riders kind of bouncing back from having their lunch money stolen twice. Um, I think the best analogy I saw or I, I might have heard, of, I was listening to the broadcast for a little bit on my drive home from my in-laws place, was that Kian Schaefer Baker, you almost he has been so good for the Riders this year that you almost mm-hmm. want to start looking into, okay, which NCAA school did this guy come from? And then you have a quick moment that you're like, oh, wait, they drafted him, and he's a Canadian. Like, mm-hmm. he's just, he's been that good. He's been that suddenly such a huge part of the offense. Great chemistry with Cody Fajardo. And and really, to me, I can see him sliding in really nicely as that number two weapon when Shaq Evans does come back. But you're right. It, that, that goal line stand was the TSN turning point. It kind of forgave a lot of sins that the riders may have committed up until that point, but... Mm-hmm. A win is a win. They looked like they have the potential again to be a team that hosts a playoff game, but still a lot of sloppiness to it. Like that one interception that Cody threw that he just seemed to be chucking it up to nobody. And and I don't know if there was a, a miscommunication on the route, but he just threw it to a spot. And the only person within about, you know, 10 yards was an Argonaut. So still sloppy, messy, but... A lot of good signs. You and I have basically been shouting from the rooftops to give William Powell the rock a lot more, and look what happened for them. It it worked out well, so let's hope that continues happening. Uh, Cody's still running quite a bit, which you'd like to see less of, because he can't get hurt, because that would be real bad.
1: No, but it's a part of this game you can't completely take it away. Um, You do have to keep him involved in that manner, because I think that's such an important part of what he does. But yeah, less designed runs, more just kind of spontaneous runs, I think, would be uh, advantageous for the club at this point. And I I think it's interesting overall, though, I think the the best games this team have played, especially offensively, have come when their Canadians have been very involved. And this is a conversation we had at the start of the year was, okay, we believe the riders had very good Canadian depth in terms of numbers, but we weren't quite sure on the quality of that. And I think at this point, it's fair to say the quality is, at least on offense... The quality of the depth is very good because, quite frankly, I think, especially in the receiving core, it's carrying the team right now.
0: Yeah, no, a- absolutely, it is. I mean, I <laughs> that that receiving core has has turned into like we keep calling about it. Well, like, what was it that oh, god, Chris Schultz on the broadcast called it Air Canada 2.0? We're like, no, it's a Canadian Glenn Air Suter. Force,
1: not it would not be Chris Schultz because
0: remember, oh, that is a Unfortunate mistake by me. Yeah. Uh shit. Um, <laughs> um but yes, Glenn Souter um on the broadcast, calling it Air Canada 2.0 or whatever the heck he called it when it was it was always the Canadian Air Force, which is a much cooler mm-hmm. name than Air Canada, anyways. I mean, of course, the Air Canada being Brandon Bridge. So um as as you mentioned, and, and and you're kind of I don't give you credit, you're the first guy I've seen that's writing articles kind of anywhere that has pointed out the correlation between, you know, the Riders' Canadian receivers and Mitch Beckton, Brayden Lanius, and, of course, Keon Schaefer-Baker getting lots of touches and then winning football games, right? It seems yeah. to be that's the stir, that's the straw that stirs the proverbial drink here for the Riders. And, uh, yeah, I, I like, you know when you're onto something before Vanstone, you're doing well, Joel, so kudos to you. I mean,
1: yeah, I, I, for a few weeks now I've kind of been sitting on and I'm like, uh, like I've come to the bottom, I'm like I think Keon Schaefer Baker is their best receiver, at least right now. Yes, and yes. I kind of been sitting there, and I think I might have said it kind of on this podcast a little bit in passing. And I'm like, after that game, like, well, I have to put it in writing. And then of course Vanstone basically did after that too. But uh, I was just, <laughs> and which is fine, which is fine. I don't, I don't care. But we don't... have the text to prove, <laughs> that
0: you've which is impressive because Rob is a legend.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't matter, but yeah, like he's just, he's just been so good and so effective, and it just it just shows, you know, how important good drafting has been and how much that has changed sort of this the scope of this franchise right now. Because if Shaq Evans comes back and can be effective and they can re- rekindle that with uh, Cody Fajardo, all of a sudden the deep pass is back and different things are working along those lines. And then, yeah, then Keon Schaefer-Baker slides into that number two spot. And I think maybe that helps them even more because he's not expected to carry the load, but he still might, you know, provide a lot of great plays for the team, because I don't know, you know, he's he's maybe not necessarily a deep threat. I think he's caught a couple of them this year. Mm-hmm. But he seems a lot better in sort of that possession, sort of, you know, second and six, second and eight, kind of, okay, running out to the sideline, get a first down kind of guy. And, that, that, that and Nathan that, Nathan those Roosevelt moments, have, yeah, kind of like Neiman Roosevelt, but younger and Canadian. And it's just, it's working really well for them. What didn't really work in that football game, I think in Claire, in you know kind of clearly was the secondary and yeah. I know and I put it in my piece and I'm going to say it right now because I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong I was wrong about Ed Ganey it's clear that this guy has missed in the secondary because no offense no offense to Christian Campbell he's just not Ed Ganey and it clearly showed in that football game
0: yeah you know what's bad when I had a I had a text from one of the guys in my fantasy football league and I like to feel like the guys there are fairly knowledgeable football my buddy Travis um Travis texts me and he's like Dude, I think they're throwing after Campbell every single play. Oh, like all the deep shots pretty much win against him.
1: And it is, it is funny as a little aside, for as difficult of a night as he had, it's funny in the sport of football when you win games, how the guys who have the difficult nights tend to come through when it matters. Like he did have the one breakup late in the game that basically sealed it, and you're like, yeah, of course he finally got that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> After basically being burnt the entire night, it's like night, the kicker right? who
1: misses four kicks in a game and then suddenly hits the game winner in overtime, right?
0: And and and, and we still call for Sergio <laughs> afterwards, of course, right? Yeah. because I mean, you miss the four kicks, you got to have some Sergio in there. So, um, but but you're right, Joel. I mean, and this this is like. <laughs> I feel like Ed Gainey has fallen into the Sam Harrell Hall of Fame as guys that you and I are quite hard on that we don't think that. I didn't necessarily think
1: like he was bad per se. I I mean, he didn't have a great 2019. And my my theory was maybe, you know, I didn't know if the off was going to do him well and, you know, age and salary and, you know, all that sort of stuff starts to play up. And I think uh, clearly he's, he's proven us wrong on that one, basically.
0: Right. Right, and I think for – and he's one of those veteran guys that has almost become a success story, and I look at Zach Caleros the same way. It's almost like – you think about these guys. When was the last time they had a year off of football to let their body heal? Yeah. Like it's it probably hasn't happened since peewee football for some of these guys, right? And Ed Ganey – has proven to be a big part of this rider secondary I, I know he's got the big name and and people have kind of always looked at him as a great player because of his name kind of like jeremy thompson with a rush for a lacrosse reference there but if you look at his game itself it's like he's got the name but he might not be that great right and this year um you and i do have to eat the proverbial crow because he has been good oh. and he has been dearly missed because y- yeah i i, I I watched the second half of this game on fast forward. Um, just kind of a recap, right? So I, I watched the first half live with my in laws, got home, put the kids to bed. The next day, I watched the second half basically in fast forward, and yeah, they were going after Campbell basically with every single chance that they could, uh, and I don't think that happens with Ed Gainey because you throw to Ed Gainey a little few too many times, especially with his renewed sense of youth, and. One or two of those is probably getting picked off.
1: Yeah, and I mean this is something that's going to have to be cleaned up as a, you know the BC Lions with that game. That's something they can clearly take advantage of. Mm-hmm. But I think it's something they can overcome. I, I you know because I think what we saw in that football game too, and it will be a key going forward for this team, was finally to see Micah Johnson rewarded for his play. And I know a lot of people said, oh, finally the game we've been waiting for for Megan Johnson. I'm like, no, he's been playing like this all along. This, the numbers weren't catching so up. so good! The numbers weren't catching up to him. So he finally, you know, he got the re- fumble recover. He got the sack. He got three tackles. He was he finally got the numbers to back up the way he's playing. And that's going to continue to be a key, especially if the secondary is going to struggle. Or if the secondary is going to be missing pieces and there's a lot they not a whole lot they can do about it. Then... Yeah, they're going to need that pass rush to step up this week against Michael Riley and the BC Lions, who are going to be much better than the last time they played them because mm-hmm. the Lions are on a bit of a roll right now. They're, you know, I think, you know, we'll talk about it in a little second. Sort of probably the consensus third team to make the playoffs in the West right now. And this is a big game, and this is a game I think the Riders really would, if they win, it'll go a long way in helping them secure that second spot. So they're going to need that pass rush to be very strong against an improving Lions team.
0: Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, as we're finally starting to hit the point where I finally start to feel comfortable about saying this team is good, this team might not be so good, I hmm. think BC has... The at attention. least in the West. Yes, at least in the West. Now, as I say that, though, as I flip back through the schedule, BC has beaten Calgary, who's bad, lost to Edmonton and Saskatchewan, of course, beaten Ottawa. I mean, I think you, me and my old flag football team for Lloydminster Minster could beat Ottawa. They've beaten them twice. Their only real win so far is against Montreal, but they seem to be the team that is still the cream, as uh, Macho Man Randy Savage would say, is starting to rise to the top a little bit here in the West Division. So BC has the pieces, I think, to beat Saskatchewan, as they proved in week one with that near comeback. Uh, Michael Riley is healthy. This game is huge, as you and I are going through the math, because with the the riders blowing that giant lead in week one they basically need to either beat bc or lose by less than four points to hold the tiebreaker on them to sit comfortably in you know kind of have the inside track for a home playoff game so yeah uh, had, had they held that lead that would have made a big difference coming into this game oh oh certainly you could have lost a tight one but and it seems like whenever teams go to bc Especially Saskatchewan, they never really have a good time. I don't know if it's the late start or whatever the heck it is, but it's just like you go to BC, it's a weird game, it's it's kind of grindy, and I think that's the kind of football though that Saskatchewan is set up to play this year.
1: Yeah. And I, I think we've seen that in the games where they've played well. It's kind of been boring good. Um mm-hmm. like that game against the Argos wasn't necessarily a good football game, and we're gonna kinda get into that in big picture in a second, but that's just. I think that's the style they're going to have to play to win football games. I don't think, especially right now. I don't know if they have the pieces to be flashy shootout offensive style. Not quite to the degree they were under Steve McAdoo. At least in terms of being boring grinding football teams. Like I think they have the ability to score a mass when they need to from time to time. Like this isn't like remember there was all those times we talked about, especially the Brandon Bridge Kevin Glenn year and the year after that, where it was like okay the defense was phenomenal, really good. But we never really trusted the offense to win them a game if they really had to. I think this team, while maybe isn't necessarily going to blow the doors off anyone offensively, if they really needed the offense to step up in a game, I think they could.
0: I, I would agree with you on that. Like uh, Especially when Shaq Evans comes back and you have that genuine deep threat. Because the thing that keeps teams... <sighs> keyed in on that rider offense is the fact that Cody loves the short pass, that old West coast style offense. You know, you think back to like the 49ers teams that were good back in the nineties. And I I think they need that genuine deep threat. And that is Shaq Evans. And I said it last week, I'll say it again. I was definitely wrong. I thought the Riders wouldn't miss Shaq Evans, but they, they have so dearly. So I I think they
1: have because, well, there's a bit of a conversation that's been going on a bit as well. I mean, he's hurt right now, but before that, I—I I, I mean, I don't think Jordan Williams Lambert has lived up to any sort of expectation since he's returned from the NFL.
0: Oh, he got Fraser cursed for sure.
1: Like his first year, okay, it's the first time back of whatever the first half year. Otherwise, you kind of give it a pass. But at this point, before he got hurt, I was sitting there thinking to myself, probably should have just resign Neyman
0: Roosevelt and cut right. him. Right, so. which uh and and again i i think it's more that that just proves the you know if you go back to our expansion draft episode when i said that jordan williams lambert would be a good guy to pick up in the expansion draft uh i i feel like i definitely have fraser cursed him that that has happened to him this year i apologize jordan williams lambert and i apologize rider fans mm-hmm. so if the writer offense is kind of boring
1: um but effective at times and probably do have a little bit of the ability to win games if necessary. Um, there is a conversation to be had, though, about the CFL as a whole right now mm. and the state of the CFL in general. Because, yes. you know, if you listen to our podcast at the start of the season on sort of the season preview episode well, with one uh, replacement, John Dan Plaster and John and myself, <laughs> we asked, I, you know, we sort of talked about the league in general and the general, the general thought was, okay, early on, take the under. Yes, and i was I was following it much. I was following it very closely early on through the first like three weeks. I think only like, one or two games hit the over, and I, I know that over under doesn't necessarily it isn't a necessarily a direct correlation with whether a football game is exciting or not. But it's a sort of general thought from time mm-hmm. to time, and you know I, it feels kind of like the under trend has continued, and even some of the over games recently haven't been that exciting. And okay, yeah, at the start of the season, we knew the offense was going to be slow to get going after a year off and no preseason and the whole thing. But at a certain point, as uh, Three Down Nation's Justin Dunk said on with Tim and Freds and Tim McAuliffe, that ballers got a ball. And it's just not happening in the CFL this year. And I think to a degree, it hadn't really been happening a whole lot really since maybe 2013. And kind of slowly been building a little bit over time that the offense and the excitement level of games wasn't quite what it used to be, and I think the year off has only sort of exaggerated that problem and made these games worse and Yes, you know, I've thought about it a lot, I've talked about it with some people. It's not one specific thing that we can tag down and say, "This is the problem, and that'll fix everything. I think it's a myriad of things, and at this point, I'm not really sure. It's going to take time
0: and dedication for the league to dig out of it. It pains me to say this, and this is the thought that has been rattling around in my brain the entire day, because you and I have been texting about this since, what, week two? Yeah. Um, I have always been to my core, even growing up in Ontario, where Ontario, the NFL prevails. Even in northern Ontario, close to Winnipeg, you know... People would say, what the hell are you doing watching the Bombers ahead of the NFL? Well, they're my team. My dad's from Winnipeg. My family's from Winnipeg. My first ever football game I went to with my cousin, Mike, was a Winnipeg Blue Bomber game, right? So for me, through my entire life, I have always, if given the choice, I've always picked CFL football over NFL football. And it pains me to say, and I, I will, I might be ripped for this on social media, and, and if so, bring it on. Let's Let's go the fir- this is the first time in my adult life that i can remember that i would rather watch the nfl than the cfl because right now the nfl product from stealing a lot of cfl concepts is just that much better like it's it there are insane comebacks in the nfl right now and, and, and i don't know if it's just <laughs> and you you and i allu- you alluded to this when we were texting before the before this episode, that it's not just exclusively an NFL versus CFL problem. You've got you you've got CJFL games that are more exciting than mm-hmm. the CFL right now. I mean, when when guys like Rob Vanstone are calling last week's Thunder Hilltops game the best football game they've ever seen, and we hold Rob on a pedestal here because Rob is spectacular at what he does, and that and matters.
1: he remembers like every football every football game ever played in Canada. So if he's saying that
0: exactly <laughs> it, it, it comes from from high praise and i have been a part of several hilltops regina thunder games where they're just unbelievably good in both those games like like you look at those two hilltops regina thunder games one was one on a 51 yard field goal the other one was just a back and forth battle the entire game like oh yeah and these guys also didn't play last year and didn't really have a preseason which the whole thing. Okay. But anyway. so so that brings me to my theory Mm-hmm. You've got and, and you and I were joking that that some NFL teams were missing a couple coaches. Oh, they only have twenty coaches left, right? <laughs> if if yeah. you go to like your yeah, typical... it was the
1: New Orleans Saints this week had like I believe a slew of coaches that were unavailable because of COVID or something, and they went from like oh we have t- we went from twelve offensive assistants down to five. I'm like twelve off- offensive assistants. That's like an entire CFL coaching staff.
0: Well, that's exactly it, and <laughs> and I think. The coaching cap I know why it was put in I think it has been a direct correlation to why the football in the c f l this year has just let's 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 all admit it c f l fans this hurts because we take pride in our league and we love our league the football has been shitty
1: yeah like there's it been the odd been game all... that's been pretty good, but there hasn't been like that memorable that was a classic game yet
0: oh well, absolutely and again like <laughs> even the games that have been close haven't had that classic kind of vibe that that back and forth that that you're hanging on to the edge of your seat for every single play not a single game has had that and this comes from a guy that in this household i can tell you we watch at least 50 percent of the games almost every single week because it the bomber game is viewing by appointment in my house and the rider game is viewing by appointment in my house right so I I, I watch bits and pieces of other games but like I literally sit down and plan my weeks and weekends around with with my family to watch two CFL football games a week and they have just not been good now to go back to the coaching cap point a CJFL football team has in and out of practice 10 to 15 coaches that's a lot of coaches for, for you know a lot of young men We've joked about the size of NFL staffs. I think the coaching cap is an absolute mistake, and I know the PA wants it because you had coaching salaries that were running away and they were guaranteed, and and players were making their fifty-five grand Canadian a year and getting cut with no notice and not getting any more money. Well, these coaches were getting—I mean, Paul Lappalies could have been coaching, but instead spent two years on CFL on TSN because, I mean, the guy was getting paid from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers while also getting paid from from tsn so i honestly think the coaching cap is what is killing the game right now because it's not good it's part of it it is it is it is just you don't have the cfl was famous for the comebacks the last second excitement the thrillers even if it meant punting it out of your own end zone which just looked ridiculous but we all loved it as canadians and that hasn't been there that year. And to me, you know, you look at you look at other products. I anticipate that U Sports football is going to be really good this year, mm-hmm. even without not not playing for the past couple of years. Because again, you look at the number of coaches, the number of athletes, and I I again it like I literally I want to throw up a bit while I say this, Joel, that I, I'm getting more entertainment out of NFL Sunday and watching the red zone channel than I am out of any CFL game this year. And this is the first time in my 30, well 34 and 35 and two days years on this planet that I can actually say that. And I'm a little worried mm-hmm. and I'm a little worried that the continued inaction will continue leading to sloppy football and, and, and leading to the league, not being entertaining. Cause that was always the thing, an mm-hmm. NFL game. It was so often, you know two yards and a cloud of dust and that has gone away because there have been some dramatic comebacks there's been some great ball in the nfl this year there's been some great ball in the cjfl this year and the cfl just seems to be lagging behind and i've thought about this all day and i've rattled it in my head and the only thing i can blame is the fact that you know you have a limited number of coaches for a limited number of players outside of that I, i i can't i can't figure it out that bothers me and i hope that Maybe finally. I mean, we're sitting here in week eight of the season, and I can't think of a single memorable game. No, from a CFL season, like, like.
1: <sighs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's all brands of football right now. To me, are in terms of entertainment value, providing something different. Like there was um, the game on Saturday night between Fresno State and UCLA. That had four lead changes in the last seven and a half minutes, and three in the last three minutes, and two in the final sixty seconds right and then of course and then the upset happened because Ucla lost to Fresno State and right. that's sort of the thing that I remember Corey Chamberlain used to say in the CFL the final three minutes was like a whole new ball game and it just almost feels more elementary like people talk about in the NFL after two minute warning the game's over well it's starting to feel that way in the CFL with the three minute warning as well yes. and you know I think the coaching cap is a part of it I think I think it was a mistake from the start to cap the number of bodies if you want to put a you know sort of total spending on your coaching staff in place, fine, but if one team is able to stretch that over a few more bodies, I don't see the harm in that right from the start but i I think there's still a bigger picture of playing there's a lot of things going on, and I don't know if there's an easy fix to any of it. I think no. um the coaching cap definitely a part of it the lack of coaching in some spots definitely a part of it, and I think because of the way the cfl has been always been set up the lack of coaching time is playing into as well because it's still built in the cba these so only get these guys four and a half hours a day not a lot of guys right. come in early and stay late and they do a lot of film and all that kind of stuff on their own but the work day simply just needs to be longer that doesn't i don't necessarily think they need more on field time but there needs to be more time with the coaches officially that needs to happen I would agree. and that's something that can't be done until they sign the next cba no, because no. That, that was originally a thing, because the you know the players used to work a day job while in the middle of the season. None of them do that anymore.
0: No, 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 and you are absolutely right. Like, like that is uh, you are bang on. A lot of these guys still do pick up off season jobs. Yes, but not during the season, are they going and working for Joe Construction? Yeah, exactly. You, yeah, you don't have a guy going to practice in the morning. Uh, you don't have a guy going to Rough Rider practice in the morning and then going and like working the car dealership in the afternoons, right? So
1: and yeah, and then I think. I think there's a part of it, too, is just the coaching in general. <sighs> I don't want to use the word lazy, but it hasn't been revolutionary. There hasn't been anything that's really changed in the CFL in however long, right? Like right. All the offenses kind of feel the same, and they've kind of felt the same forever. There hasn't been something that's
0: come along, and you're like, wow, that's new and different. Well, especially now that like all levels of football have essentially sold what the CFL did. Mm-hmm. Right? But Which I mean, the NFL miss- still does a few things a little differently. Like the tight end is so involved in the offense up there, right? right a- absolutely yes like like i mean there's no gronk in the in the cfl right um no. but I, I i do find though that now you watch the nfl and oh, for sure i'm not
1: yeah like they definitely have taken a lot of things but it's up to the cfl to adapt or i mean they still and i would say the cfl isn't even doing those things they used to do
0: no i would i would agree i yeah. mean I, I mean the cfl was revolutionary because you know, the spread and passing and airing it out. And and that's why guys, you know, look to the CFL, like, how can we expand offense? And now it's caught on through the NCAA. And now you have NFL teams basically playing the spread the entire game, guys, you know, out of the shotgun the entire game. Right. So Uh like you said, it it all seems very, very much the same. And I don't know what's... I mean, it's hard to tell coaches to change something when you're winning. Yeah. But on the same note, like... Uh, it just, like, I feel dirty saying it every single time, Joel. Like, I feel dirty saying that I'd rather watch NFL ball. Like, it's it's it's... Again, this comes from, from a guy that, like, I would—I mm-hmm. don't want to say I got bullied in high school, but, like, my buddies that we all used to get together and watch the NFL every Sunday would make fun of me for being like, hey, can you switch to the Blue Bomber game for a while? Like, it's... Uh, it, and it, and it, I, I, I think there's a few
1: other things, too. And, yeah, you know, so I think, you know, the lack of coaching, lack of innovation, lack of, you know, all that sort of stuff. I think the quarterback play isn't at a level it used to be like the golden era sort of was like the nineties, early two thousands, but you're never going to see a crop of that. Like if quarterbacks like that in the CFL ever again, I don't think that was kind of a bit of a fluke thing. And I think also because the, the way the NFL has changed so much, a lot of quarterbacks who may have ended up here now aren't ending up here. And it's going to take a while for sort of the B level guys like that to sort of get to a level where they can, you know, make an impact and be extremely successful in the CFL because they're still kind of hanging around the NFL and they're still, you know, there's still the really high end guys like the Russell Wilson's and the Patrick Mahomes and those sorts of types that are there, but there isn't still that sort of second tier in college where you, or, you know, these random schools that play that style that were mm-hmm. able to bring those kinds of players up here in the CFL because you know, we talk you know, you look around the CFL right now, like Zach Calero's is pretty good, Zach uh, um, Cody Fijaro is pretty good, Michael Rye's getting up there in age right now, Bolivi Mitchell looks lost for some reason, Trevor Harris seems to be an asshole that no one likes, so who knows what's going on there. <laughs> Ottawa's lost in the woods. Um you know, Arbuckle looks like he has some potential, he looks like he, he looks he's got the part. Um Evans and Missoli both kinda do as well. Vernon Adams Junior is fun, but he's up and down. So there isn't really necessarily like that. There isn't, you know, the quarterbacking's pretty good right now, but it's not like it's the quarterback level
0: play isn't quite there either. Well, well, the thing is, is you look at a guy like Kyler Murray for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Fifteen years ago, he's in the CFL. Oh, yeah. Same with Russell Wilson. Just they're yeah, short. because they're undersized quarterbacks who run. Zach who Wilson, with... who got drafted by the Jets this year, probably doesn't a number of years ago. Right. Exactly. Like like you look at like the NFL prototype 15 years ago allowed an athlete like Russ Wilson, like Kyler Murray, like Zach Wilson to go to the CFL and light it up. I mean, let's face it. If Doug Flutie was six foot five, there's no way he ever plays in the CFL. mind lights it up the way he did. Even even I would even say like a guy like Kahari Jones, who was a little undersized, yeah. probably gets an NFL look if he's a little bit taller and meaner, right? So now NFL teams have basically gone, yeah, we don't care. The guy's 5 foot 8, he throws piss missiles and finds the open guys whenever we need him to, and they've they've embraced that athlete and the CFL has has lost out on that, right? Like it, it, genuine NFL talent doesn't go to Canada anymore. And without proper coaching to me, you can't develop the guys that are here into the athletes that they need to be to step up to the next level, right? Like, you're not, like, who's Cam Wake these days? Cam Wake does not slip through the scouts anymore. No. Like, and I hate to say it, like, I hate to say it, that the the, the CFL this year, rather than looking like an alternative pro league, like a 1A, 1B league, has looked more like the AHL to the NHL of the NFL right like it's looked this year has looked far more minor league than that it ever has and again i i fucking hate saying that but here we are and i don't know how you fix it
1: i don't know how you fix it either and i just i hope it's a conversation that grows and continues because we heard a lot in the off season during the whole xfl thing about how much more exciting and better the cfl is and blah 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 and in the back of my mind the whole time i was always like is it is it though? Right. Right. Like it's been pretty good and it has its moments and it's still, you know, it's still football. It's still good football at times. I'm going to watch, but I haven't been wowed by anything. And we have, we haven't had a Saskatchewan Montreal Canada Day opener. In I mean, is that is like, we really want to get into it. When was that game?
0: 2011. God. Yeah. No, it was... was that
1: like the last, like really legendary regular season. CFL Fuck, Joel, game? It's,
0: it's before that I was living in Lloyd Minster when that game was, I thought
1: it was so after that... they played the back-to-back Grey cups.
0: Uh, no, because I, I moved to Saskatoon okay. in 20, 2011, so it would have been 2010 or 2009.
1: 10? I think it was 10, maybe. It was before my time, before really knowing this sort of stuff.
0: But anyway, right. like, we, we, it was around that time.
1: I'm sure people listening to this will correct us very quickly on that, because um, right. they will remember that game. And, like, is that really, like, the last sort of really legendary typical typical CFL game? Because, I mean, there's not been other games people remember and are fun and whatever for various reasons, but... Maybe, like that's the one people really talk about in sort of like legendary ways.
0: Uh, at least out here, maybe the Labor Day Classic with Kerry Joseph running through the parting. that was before Same that, thing. even though. Yeah, that's that is a way back. Like I can't, I can't think of a CFL regular season game I remember as as legendary since I moved to Saskatoon in 2011. Like there's always like random
1: ones. Like of course in like in Saskatchewan. In twenty twelve when they beat the bombers Labor Day Classic like fifty two nothing, that's gonna be legendary. But, 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 but not, like but not actual, for the common like, man. But yeah, like even yeah.
0: even even me, like I'd I'd rather see my bombers win a back forth back and forth battle than win, you know, stress free. Yeah. There's <laughs> no fun in winning stress free.
1: It depends. on I mean, if you're a really hardcore fan, you
0: want your playoff games to be as stress-free as possible. But. Oh, God. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I, I want the regular season <laughs> games to be exciting thrillers, and then yeah. I want the playoff games to be fucking 62 to nothing. Like, that's that's how I feel. Like,
1: So, I, I mean, this is something that's slowly been building for a while, and I just – I hope and I, I don't think we're going to start any grand changes or conversations because of this podcast but it's something I felt we kind of had to put out there a little bit because I don't know if it's being talked enough. I know some people are talking about it behind the scenes, but I think publicly this conversation needs to happen more about sort of the quality of play in the CFL because right. as much as we talk about the marketing and the business and you know all these other sorts of things that are broken with the CFL, at the end of the day, especially in this era of you know a multitude of entertainment options available at your fingertips, especially in the world of football, if the games aren't entertaining, nothing else is going to matter. And that needs to be figured out.
0: Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and I'm, I'm glad we could have the conversation because it, it kind of led into it. And we kind of had a, a no drama week where we could. I, I mean, I don't, I don't see us standing on our soapbox and talking about this for weeks and weeks. But, no. but you're right. The conversation needs to be had. Or maybe everybody's just grabbing their pitchforks and torches and coming for us. And our listener count will drop to 10 after this.
1: Yeah, uh, who knows? I'm sure some people are not going to be happy about this conversation, but that always seems to happen whenever you try to critique the CFL about anything. Yes, that's fair. Hey, Jacques Cartier, show's over.